0: Welcome back to Drugs Sometimes Work. I'm Craig Williams. In our recent three-part episode on heart failure, we discussed that ACE inhibitors and ARBs, angiotensin receptor blockers, work great for systolic heart failure, but have no intrinsic role in diastolic heart failure. The mechanistic reasons for this are still not clear. And it was a surprise when ACE inhibitors failed to improve outcomes in trials of diastolic heart failure. But the pathophysiology of most diseases is complex and we shouldn't be surprised when well-performed clinical trials don't always turn out the way we think they should in 2012 i published an editorial titled is microalbuminuria a disease the premise was that the increasing use of ace inhibitors and arbs in diabetic patients with microalbuminuria was misguided in part as the title of the editorial implied this is because it is unclear whether microalbuminuria really is a disease that warrants therapy. Again, pathophysiology is complicated. Microalbuminuria often regresses to normal albuminuria without any treatment. And many people with microalbuminuria do not progress to overt proteinuria. And we should never forget that drugs have side effects. Things like angioedema, hyperkalemia, and hypotension are real with inhibitors and with ARBs. And so, as we've advocated before on this podcast, the use of any drug should be predicated on the benefits outweighing the risks. In the editorial, the answer to the question, is microalbuminuria a disease, was basically no. Partly, that's because the reasons we just outlined, but also, it was based on clinical trials that were available at the time. Clinicians largely accepted the main premise of the editorial, that microalbuminuria by itself was not a sufficient reason to initiate an ACE or ARB. But a counterargument soon emerged, that since all patients with diabetes should be on an ACE or ARB anyway, the presence or absence of microalmoneuria didn't really matter if the patient had diabetes. As correspondence on the editorial came in, and as I received some emails about the article, it was clear that many clinicians felt this way, that diabetes was an indication for an ACE inhibitor or an ARB. And that is still an opinion I encounter in practice today. The argument goes like this. Patients with diabetes are to increase risk for atherosclerosis and chronic kidney disease, not to mention heart failure. And since ACE inhibitor and ARB therapy are effective for these conditions, patients with diabetes should be on an ACE or ARB. Leaving aside for now, the dubious claim that ACE inhibitors and ARBs treat atherosclerosis Transitioning a therapy from the realm of treatment to the realm of prevention can be tricky. Look no further than our first episode on aspirin for evidence of that. Plus, things which seem like they should work often don't when subjected to a randomized clinical trial. Look no further than ACE inhibitors failing to improve outcomes in diastolic heart failure for evidence of that. But ACE inhibitors and ARBs do work for chronic kidney disease, which patients with diabetes are at an increased risk of. And even if they do successfully treat atherosclerosis along with CKD, does that mean they're also useful to prevent it? How do benefits compare to risks in diabetic patients who do not yet have atherosclerosis or CKD? In this episode, we'll tackle those very practical questions and use what we learned to answer our title question, do ACE inhibitors or ARBs treat diabetes? To begin with, Let me reiterate two points that we've made previously on this podcast. Number one, the better we understand how the pharmacology of a drug matches up to the pathophysiology of a disease, the better we'll be as as clinicians at deciding how and when to use that drug. It will always be true that drugs which treat disease pathophysiology are preferred to drugs which just treat symptoms. The ongoing opioid crisis continues to be a good reminder of that. And number two, drugs are much more efficient at treating disease than they are at preventing it. That was an underlying tenet of that episode on who should take a daily aspirin. Another way of thinking about the second point is that for a drug to show benefit, there has to be some burden of disease. For aspirin, the relevant disease was atherosclerosis and that will be relevant again shortly. But another example relevant to today's topic is chronic kidney disease, CKD. Let's say I had a drug that I knew was effective for CKD. That is, it either prevented patients with CKD from progressing to end stage renal disease, or it slowed the rate of rise of serum creatinine, thereby slowing the worsening of already established CKD. Now, let's say I wanted to know whether that drug prevents CKD from developing in the first place, a question of true primary prevention. If I choose to study that question by recruiting healthy 20-year-olds to take my drug versus placebo, I'll never get an answer to my question. The risk of healthy 20-year-olds for developing CKD over the course of five or even 10 years is so low, it would be impossible to determine whether my drug was doing any good. While that logic may seem intuitive, it's also another tenet of pharmacology. A drug cannot prevent events if events are not occurring. So, to study a drug properly, we need to do so in a population that is at sufficiently high risk for the disease we're trying to prevent. So for my CKD drug, instead of studying healthy 20-year-olds, I should probably study 50-year-olds with hypertension or 45-year-olds with type 1 diabetes. The higher risk a population for the disease I'm trying to prevent, the more likely I am to be able to prove or disprove that my drug works again, I can't know if a drug prevents events if events are not occurring. Okay, let's move this discussion out of the theoretical and into reality. Our drug that treats CKD is ACE inhibitors and ARBs. Patients with diabetes are at increased risk of CKD. It's reasonable to ask the question, is the risk of CKD in patients with diabetes high enough that the benefits of an ACE or ARB outweigh the risk for the prevention of CKD? Fortunately for us, this has been studied. The best of these studies was published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2009. It does not have a catchy nickname or an acronym, but it randomized 285 patients with type 1 diabetes to the Arblosartan, the ACE inhibitor Enalapril, or placebo, and followed them for five years. The title of the study was Renal and Retinal Effects of Losartan and Analopril in Type 1 Diabetes. It's easy to find with a Google search. On average, these patients with type 1 diabetes had had diabetes for about a decade prior to enrolling in the study, and they were in their 40s. And importantly, none had nephropathy at baseline. Normal serum creatinine and normal albuminuria. Monitoring over the five-year period included labs and urinalyses and also periodic kidney biopsies to look for histologic evidence of new nephropathy. And the finding after five years? No benefit of Losartan or enalapril on reducing the onset of nephropathy, as measured by proteinuria, changes in serum creatinine, or histologic evidence of, from renal biopsies. So in a pretty high-risk population type 1 diabetes patients in their 40s with a decade of diabetes history, it was a resounding no to the question of an ACE or ARB for prevention of nephropathy. This was not the only trial to have this finding, but it's a relatively long follow-up and the use of renal biopsies, in addition to lab and urinalysis data, made it one of the most definitive. But why is it that this group of drugs, which are very effective at treating CKD do not appear effective for preventing it. That's still not clear, but as we said earlier, disease pathophysiology is complicated. Not all patients with diabetes develop nephropathy. Many do not even develop microalbuminuria, and of those who do, many do not progress to overt proteinuria or to an elevated serum creatinine. Remember, in the study, those type 1 diabetes patients had had diabetes for about a decade prior to enrolling. And during that time, none had developed nephropathy, normal proteinuria, normal serum creatinine. Had we followed that group for 20 years or 30 years instead of five, some certainly would have developed some degree of kidney disease. But which ones? And how many? 20 or 30 years is a long time to be on a drug, especially one that can cause hyperkalemia, hypotension, or angioedema. So, while the guidelines debated and evolved through the 2000s, they all now agree. Primary prevention of nephropathy with an ACE inhibitor or ARB is not a good idea. Here's what the 2021 American Diabetes Association guidelines say Quote, An ACE inhibitor or angiotensin receptor blocker is not recommended for the primary prevention of chronic kidney disease in patients with diabetes who have normal blood pressure, normal albinuria, and normal GFR." Unquote. If you go back far enough in the diabetes guidelines, that statement is not there. But it now is, and it has a grade A rating, which means clear and compelling outcomes from multiple trials. So the first argument regarding the need for diabetic patients to be on an ACE or ARB, that we could prevent the development of nephropathy while attractive in theory, does not hold up to our challenge of the well designed clinical trial, or in this case, clinical trials. What about the other major argument for diabetes being an indication for an ACE inhibitor or an ARB, atherosclerosis? This argument goes like this ACE inhibitors and ARBs are good for atherosclerosis. And patients with diabetes not only are at increased risk for atherosclerosis, but most diabetic patients probably already have at least subclinical disease. Meaning that while no clinical evidence of atherosclerosis may be present, no angina, no peripheral claudication, no past MI or stroke. If we looked into their arteries, we would see signs of atherosclerosis in almost all adults with diabetes. That point is largely true. Diabetes definitely accelerates the processes of atherosclerosis. And if someone has had diabetes for a decade or longer, they probably do have arterial evidence of atherosclerosis. But this is also a slippery slope as justification for beginning a drug. In our episode on aspirin, we said that the processes of atherosclerosis start early in westernized countries. There's a good chance that if you're 35 years of age or older and not living a hunter-gatherer lifestyle, that you and that all of us have some evidence of subclinical atherosclerosis. But just like most diabetic patients will not develop nephropathy, most patients with subclinical atherosclerosis will not go on to have a heart attack or stroke, even if they live to 80 or 90 years of age. In the US, the rates of heart attack and stroke per capita have actually been dropping since the 1980s. People smoke less now, diets have actually improved and we are now several decades into the use of drugs that effectively treat high cholesterol, an approach that does actually slow atherosclerosis. So how does this argument of using an ACE inhibitor or ARB to prevent atherosclerosis hold up to our challenge of the clinical trial? Not so well. Not too long after I completed my residency, the HOPE trial was published and published to great fanfare. HOPE stands for Heart outcomes prevention evaluation. It was a study of the ACE inhibitor ramipril. And if you google Hope trial and the word ramipril, you'll find endless substudies and editorials regarding this trial. While Hope purported to show the benefits of an ACE inhibitor for atherosclerosis, it was horribly confounded by hypertension. Both a high rate of hypertension among study subjects at baseline and large reductions in systolic blood pressure during the trial despite claims by the authors to the contrary in the end it wasn't really possible to tell if ramipril was really affecting atherosclerosis or just treating hypertension in a very high-risk group of patients so a few years later in 2004 the PEACE trial was published also in the New England Journal of Medicine PEACE stands for prevention of events with ACE inhibition clever title But even more clever, the investigators in peace did a good job screening out patients with hypertension. The trial was therefore able to study whether or not ACE inhibitors benefit atherosclerosis in the absence of hypertension. The editorial published alongside the trial was titled ACE inhibitors for patients with vascular disease. May they rest in peace. Another clever use of the study title. And based on that, you can probably guess what the finding was. In patients with atherosclerosis, without hypertension, there was no benefit from five years of an compared to placebo. So we're back to one of the key premises of this podcast, the importance of matching up disease physiology to drug pharmacology. The renin and system is important to the cardiovascular system, but it's complicated. While it contributes to hypertension and to heart failure, atherosclerosis is different. It's a process of accumulation of lipoproteins in the artery wall and an ensuing inflammatory response to that accumulation. What role, if any, the RAS system plays may well be limited. Maybe we're just not smart enough to understand it yet. Or maybe ACE numbers and ARBs don't target the right processes in the right way to modify disease outcomes. Regardless, when we can't match up pathophysiology of our disease to the pharmacology of our drug, we shouldn't be surprised when the clinical trials turn out to be negative. And while this negative study of ACE inhibitors for atherosclerosis, the PEACE trial, is over a decade old, the hope that ACE inhibitors might still treat atherosclerosis persists. And while hope springs eternal, ACE inhibitors spring hyperkalemia, angioedema, and hypotension, and they are not appropriate therapy for the primary prevention of atherosclerosis. As found in the PEACE trial, they don't even treat atherosclerosis in patients who do not have hypertension. So where does all of this leave us? Do ACE inhibitors treat diabetes? No. The intention is a good one, to protect the kidneys and the cardiovascular system from a high-risk disease. But that intention is misplaced, and it does not pass our test of the randomized clinical trial. ACE inhibitors or ARBs are great drugs to use in our diabetic patients with hypertension or with CKD or certainly with systolic heart failure. But in those situations, we are using the inhibitor or the ARB to treat CKD or hypertension or systolic heart failure. We are not treating diabetes per se. So by all means, use an inhibitor or ARB in your diabetic patients when there is an indication for it but do not treat for the disease that might come. Not all patients with diabetes will develop CKD or hypertension. And for those who do develop atherosclerosis, inhibitors and ARBs don't treat that anyway. For every drug we ask our patients to take, we should have decided that benefits outweigh risks. Many times this is the case, but sometimes it is not. So until next time, don't forget that drug pharmacology only sometimes matches up with disease physiology and that often explains why drugs only sometimes work.